The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by a guest speaker. The statements, views, and opinions presented in this message are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online at wscal.edu or call 888-480-8474. That's online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Psalms. Psalms 127 will be our passage this morning. Psalm 127, a song of ascents of Solomon. Let us hear now the word of God. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Well, if you spent any significant time in the church, this psalm is probably a familiar one to you. It's a psalm that's often read or quoted at birth announcements, blessing of children, or at weddings, the beginning of the building of a family, at church plants, things of that nature. And one reason why it's so Popular is because this psalm considers three of the most central concerns of our life. Building, securing or watching over what we've labored to build, and family, and how the Lord blesses his people with children. And in all of this, the psalmist expresses a decidedly God-centered perspective on life. We might even say a Calvinistic perspective on life. Ultimately, God is the one who is in control of our lives. If he doesn't grant success to our labors, then all of our effort and all of our toil is in vain. In other words, despite what we may think, ultimately, the future is not in our hands. It is God who builds. It is God who watches over us. It is God who is behind the gift of children. So, in a very real sense, this passage is relevant to all of us here today and relevant in a variety of different ways. We are all building something, whether a family or a career or a foundation for ministry. And we all need to be reminded of our utter dependence upon God. As James expressed in James 4.15, Only if the Lord wills. Will we live to do this or that? However, as proper as this application may be, it's all too easy to jump straight to this and miss the key redemptive themes and elements that undergird this passage. In other words, yes, this psalm does speak 
and does call us to a God-centered perspective on life. And this psalm does assure us of God's providential love and his care for our people. But it's also a psalm that recalls creation and what was lost in the fall. And even more so, it's a psalm that anticipates and even longs for the coming one, the Messiah, who will accomplish where man is powerless to accomplish. So this morning, I want to take a look at this psalm from these three perspectives. Of course, we're going to look at it from the perspective of its context under the Mosaic economy. But also, I want to consider how it does recall creation in the fall. And thirdly, how it anticipates the Messiah to come. So first, of course, in its context, this psalm was given under the Mosaic economy. And what the psalmist does here is he presents a problem and then he provides a solution. So it's important to identify this problem right up front, as we've already considered. The problem is that we are not ultimately in control. Our power is limited in this life and all that we put our hand to do. Unless the Lord builds, unless the Lord watches, all of our rising early and going late to rest and our toil will be in vain. This is a problem. This is the uncertainty of this life. This is the cause of anxiety that we can all identify with. Of course, here in this context, this seems most specifically focused on the building of the temple. We know this because the title of Solomon, but also this reference to the building of the house, most likely refers to the building of the house of the Lord. In fact, its location in the fifth book of Psalms, uh, probably also with this reference to uh, the Lord watching over the city, probably, probably places it in the context of the rebuilding of the temple after exile. The building during a time when there was great opposition, not peace, but great opposition and great dependence upon the Lord. If you'll recall that picture that Nehemiah paints for us where they were building the wall with one hand and holding the sword in the other. Here's this perspective of uncertainty that Israel faced as they rebuilt the temple and guarding the city. And of course here the psalmist calls them to remember their dependence upon God. And this is what we can so easily identify with. Even in all of our situations of building and laboring, we also ought to have a God-centered perspective on life. In a sense, building can be whatever it is that we do to bring meaning and happiness and purpose and provision in our lives. Whatever it is that we, we set our hand to accomplish here on earth. And we build, and we, we build careers, or we build homes, and naturally we want to secure what we've built. We have investment portfolios. We have insurance policies. We have security systems. Things that keep watch over what we've labored to build. 
And so the point, of course, is just as relevant to us as it was to them. God is near in all of our endeavors of life, and God is sovereign over them all. And we ought to always keep our utter dependence upon him before us. However, despite man's inability to control his surroundings, the psalmist doesn't just leave it here. He doesn't just bid us to add an extra Lord willing onto the end of our emails. He goes on to point them to God as their source of comfort, as God as their source of peace and provision and blessing. So we have this problem presented, this problem that man is not in control, and the the implicit question then is, how does God take care of his people? How How does God provide for them in the face of uncertainty? How will God see through the building of the city and the temple of Jerusalem? And two things the psalmist points us here in response. We see first at the end of verse 2. He gives to his beloved sleep. And in verse 3 and following, he goes on to declare that God also blesses in the giving of children as a heritage, as a reward. Consider this notion of sleep. What, What a picture of peace in the face of anxiety, in the face of doing everything we can to pull everything together in our lives and control every aspect of our lives, God's people rest comfortably and peaceably in him. They rest because he is sovereign. And they rest because he is their portion in this life. And he is the one who provides peace and security and provision. He watches over his own, and his own rests peaceably in him. And then there's this this blessing of children. At first it might seem, what does this have to do with the first half of the psalm? It seems kind of out of place. But think about that culture, the agrarian culture, where a large family was often the prosperous family and the secure family. Children were needed to produce food. Children could be used to help defend the home. And so just like the walls of a fortified city, we see here in verse 4, like arrows, children, like, children are like arrows in the hands of the warrior. And here we see this building of a family, in a, in a very real sense, ends up being a real and lasting accomplishment in this life. Think about one of the laments of Ecclesiastes, specifically in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. The writer says, I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool, Yet he will be master of all which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. One of the curses of the fall is that man is not able to see the end of his labors. Death cuts him off. And all that we've spent our life building and working towards is given to another. But here we see the blessing and the reward from God 
God's people can find sweet satisfaction in how we are able to pass down our labors to our children. And like arrows we shoot out into the world, in many respects, our children carry on our legacy and our work in this life lives on through them. So the psalmist is comforted by the fact that in the face of these uncertainties, God tends to the needs of his people. And God blesses them in ways with things like sleep and children, in ways that at first glance we never would have imagined. And so perhaps at this point we, begin to, we can begin to see the second perspective here and how the theme of creation is lurking below the surface here in a sense. We know, of course, that man was created, in Adam, was created not to be idle, but to work. He was created and commissioned for a task. Adam was commanded to keep and work the garden. He was called to build this garden temple of the Lord. He was called to guard and secure God's holy place from the infiltration of evil. He was commanded to be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. And his creator's Sabbath rest was set before him as an eschatological goal to obtain. He was to work and earn the rest of his creator. And of course, we know what happened. He failed to guard the city, and the serpent slithered in, and evil infiltrated God's holy temple. And in his sin, and because of the effects of his sin, he failed to build as he was commanded. And now it's vain toil in the ground which will not yield is the work of his life now. Instead of being fruitful and multiplying, pain and difficulty and childbearing and barrenness are a common hindrance to this task. Death now limits him, and he is unable to complete the building as God had commanded, and the eternal Sabbath rest that was set before him is now unattainable in his own strength. In this psalm, we see all these things that are outside of our control are outside our, of our control in a very elevated sense because of the fall and its effects. Now the psalmist declares God is the one who must build. Adam failed. God is the one who must secure. God is the one who must grant children. No matter how hard we toil on our own, our efforts are in vain apart from God. And so how clearly is this vanity, is this toiling, empty attempt portrayed in the history of Israel? Perhaps it's Helpful to remember here that the works principle in the Mosaic Covenant, how the law reminded Israel of God's perfect obedience, just like with Adam, God's demand for perfect obedience, excuse me, and how the impossibility of this perfect obedience reminded them of Adam's disobedience to the original covenant of works and thus the vanity of relying upon their own strength. So with Israel, far from building and guarding and extending and 
fruitfully multiplying and obtaining rest, what happened? That temple was ultimately torn down forever. The city would lie in ruins at the invasion of the enemy. Israel's children would be stillborn, and the horrific siege of 70 AD even led to mothers eating their own afterbirth to survive, as, as prophesied in Deuteronomy 28. And Israel's disobedience led to, ultimately, their being vomited out of the land of rest. So you see here how this psalm forms the background of the coming Messiah, how it anticipates and then even it longs for his arrival. Think of what is said of Jesus Christ when he, comes, when he came into the world. When Christ claimed he came, he declared, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And in Hebrews 2 and in 1 Peter 2, we're told that Christ is this ultimate builder. And that we are his house, spiritual living stones being built together into a holy dwelling of God when we hold fast to him by faith. Christ is building the house. Christ is the one who guarded the temple and cast out the money changers. Christ is the good shepherd who keeps perfect watch over his sheep and he shall lose none of them, he declared in John 6. Christ is that warrior who fights and conquers our enemies, that arrow shot out into the world, that seed of the woman of Genesis 3, the reward and ultimate heritage of Israel with which the blessing of children paved the way for. Christ is the one who provides the perfect, everlasting rest to all who come to him weary of their burdens. Friends, let us see the great need underlying these words and understand that these needs are only met in the gospel. The psalm touches on the very heart of the gospel. It subtly declares that, that we are bankrupt. And yet there is still a need, a demand, for man to obey the terms set before him in creation. And yet also, because of sin and its effects, it acknowledges that all of our striving and toiling to meet this end with our own hands are in vain. The first Adam failed to accomplish the work God gave him. Now only God himself can build, secure, multiply, and obtain rest for us. But a second Adam has come. And this man, Christ Jesus, came and accomplished these things because this man is God. Today, let us be reminded of our ultimate dependence upon God. Let us be reminded that to the eyes of faith, God takes care and blesses his people in ways that we don't often see at first. And that we can rest comfortably in this even when we don't understand all of the providence around us. 
even as Israel perhaps did not understand that while their temple was being overthrown, God was giving his people rest and, and assuring them that the Messiah would come through the seed of the woman. But even more so, even in these blessings that God gives us now, let us be reminded that they are but a foretaste of the ultimate blessing that is found in Jesus Christ. The one that Israel anticipated and longed for has come. And in his obedient life and in his atoning death, our sins are forgiven and the work set before us in creation is, and so much more is completed and given to us as an inheritance which we obtain by faith. Not by the toiling and striving and working with our own hands, but by faith in Christ alone. And by faith in the one who builds and secures and blesses. By God's grace, let us rest peacefully in the work of Christ today and in that work of righteousness and redemption that he accomplished and freely gives to us by faith. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we do come to you in the name of Christ, thanking you, Lord, that where we have failed, Christ accomplished and that you have revealed this gospel to us, and it can be a source of great comfort to us and assurance of your love to us in this life. We pray, O oh God, that indeed you would write this gospel upon our hearts and that we would have a more God-centered perspective on our labors simultaneously as we trust in Christ and in his perfect work. Glorify your name in our midst. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Copyright 2015, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.